Hey, welcome to Leading Simple. I'm your host, Rusty George, and we are in episode 127 of the podcast. Can't believe it's been that many. And it's been a wild year of 2020, and I know you have felt the whiplash of it all as well. Crazy things have happened, uh, unprecedented things have happened, and we find ourselves wrapping up this year, rapidly approaching 2021, and we're excited about it. We're excited for things to end. We're excited for new beginnings where there's an assumption in the air that things will all be better in 2021. But I thought I'd take just a little bit to reflect on some things that I've learned over this past year about leadership, about fatherhood, and a few life lessons along the way. And so I just started uh, jotting some things down and I've got about six things that I thought I would share that some things I learned the hard way and some things I am still learning, but they might be of encouragement and benefit uh, to you. Uh, The first one is this, more is caught than taught. I've heard this for years. When it comes to parenting, more is caught than taught. In other words, your kids pick up on what they see you do, not what they hear you say. And I've learned this a lot while working at home over the past few months. My kids see me get into a rhythm of getting up early and going to work in the office, which is a room by the kitchen, and doing my work, and then coming out to engage with them a little bit over breakfast and a little bit over lunch while they were at home and then wrapping things up around 4 o'clock and um, having family time. And I remember one night my wife made us all speak to each other, as wives are good at doing, and say something kind to one another about something we've appreciated during the COVID season. And my oldest daughter, Lindsay, said, Dad, I appreciate how you've kept a good balance between work and home. And I hadn't really started to do that or tried to do that intentionally, But I was so grateful that she pointed that out because there have been times that I have since then thought about, well, I can squeeze another couple hours out here after dinner, or I could answer some email while we're all watching TV together, or I could read this book on leadership while no one else is paying attention. And that would be breaking that boundary. And I was so happy that she caught that, even though I hadn't necessarily taught that. And I've noticed that there's some some negatives about that as well. There have been times when we get into some kind of an argument and one of my kids uh, says, oh, sure you will, to something that I've promised or said that I would do, which tells me I must have dropped the ball on that at some point. I must have told them we would do that and then we've never done it. Or I must have told her that that would happen and it never has because more is taught or more is caught than it is taught. And that's a lesson I continue to learn. I think we all learn that one. Here's a second one. Clarity is more important than certainty. Uh, I've noticed at work, people are hypervigilant on clarity, even more than than normal. Uh, It used to be I could say a few things in a meeting and everybody would kind of go, oh, I get it. And they'd kind of go off and, and get rolling. But now I find that saying one thing leads to two or three meetings afterwards just to get clarity on what it is that I've said so that we make sure we use our time and resources right. Everyone's in a heightened sense of, I'm not real sure what the default is. This happens at home, too. Uh, I know many times I'll have a thought in my mind of what I'm going to do or where I'm going or what's going to happen next, and my wife will ask me, and I'll say, well, I... I was going to go do this, or I was going to go get that, or whatever it might be. And she'd say, well, you might have known that, but you didn't 
tell me. And I was certain, but I was not clear. And so much of leadership is just about being clear, even if we're not certain where it is that we are going. Throughout the COVID season, I think our objectives as a team have changed four or five times, but I like the fact that they've been clear every time that we've done it. We started off with, we want our community to know that we care. We want our church to know that we care. And then we just kept kind of going from there. We implemented some new strategies. We reduced some debt. We were able to sock some money away to prepare for uh, what might be coming. And we were able to realign our staff to pivot towards more digital content, both online and on social media. And throughout that, we've learned a lot. But all throughout it, we've tried to be clear. Something to think about with your relationships. I may not always know exactly where we're going or what what we're doing, but I will be clear about what I think is next. Here's the third thing. Sabbath is necessary. Sabbath kind of gets kicked around as a word that uh, is more of a Jewish term, part of the Ten Commandments, or maybe part of a uh, 70s rock and roll band. Uh, But the reality is Sabbath is a day of rest that God set up for us, and the Sabbath uh, is made for for us. Now, we weren't made for the Sabbath. We're not to keep it holy just so we make God happy. We're to respect it so our bodies can rest. The best definition I've heard of a Sabbath is planning the day where there are no consequences. In other words, so much of your day and my day is filled with things where things are at stake. And money hangs in the balance, or time hangs in the balance, or relationships hang in the balance, or results hang in the balance. We desperately want to create some times and some rhythms and some moments where we are able to do some things that really, it doesn't matter if you win or lose. I play golf once a week, and I don't care if I win or lose, I don't even keep score. Maybe for you, it's to uh, go on a hike. Maybe for you, it's to go fishing. Maybe it's uh, to pick up some form of exercise, which is really more of just enjoyment. Maybe it's cooking. Maybe it's woodworking. Whatever it is, you need the time away just to do things with no consequence. Here's a fourth thing. Personality plays into how you work at home. I always thought that I was a highly structured person, and I am. But what I noticed was, after I get a structure in place for a while, I begin to get a little antsy. And then I start moving things around my office. I start getting a little creative with my schedule. I come up with different workarounds because I need a little bit of difference. And that's not wrong, but it is my personality. And what I've noticed is, is when you work at, um, you know, anything, you need a little bit of your personality to be a part of it. It's not enough just to do things the way everybody else does them. Find ways for your personality to flex its muscles. And that's true at home as well. You may be married to somebody that's hypervigilant about the calendar. Um, let, it, let that person know you need a little bit of uh, controlled chaos once in a while or a little bit of flexibility in that schedule. Uh, sometimes just having the conversation the night before you go to you know go to sleep before the next day, maybe it's a day off, maybe it's a day of Sabbath, and you just look at your spouse or look at your family and say, what's a good day for you look like tomorrow? I'm always amazed when I do this with my family, how their ideas are a lot different than mine. And so then we can begin to strategize on a way that we all win tomorrow rather than us not having the clarity. There's that word again. Uh, I've come across all kinds of different 
personality tests that help out with these kinds of things. Um, you know, obviously the Enneagram helps, but a new one from Patrick Lencioni, who is a business guru for the Table Group, writes a lot of great books like The Five Dysfunctions of the Team or Motive or The Advantage. He has a new test that you can survey yourself and your team uh, that's found through a website called uh, Working Genius. And it really describes six different ways that we work together. Not personality tests, but just the way we work together. Some like to identify a problem. Some like to solve a problem. Some like to finish the problem. Some like to correct mistakes. We just have different ways we work. And I found that test to be very, very insightful. Here is a fifth idea, and that is bite-sized wins the day. I get a lot of questions from people about how do you do a blog, a podcast, a message, a book, and I've recently started taking some seminary classes again. Well, the reality is uh, I just highly schedule my week and I batch things together. For instance, on Monday, I'm going to work on meetings, and it's all meetings all day. I'll have them. I'll prepare for them. On Tuesday, I'm going to spend a lot of time writing. I write blogs, I write for the podcast, and I was writing for a book. On Wednesday and Thursday, it's all message prep. Prepping for this weekend's message, prepping for a message six weeks out, and brainstorming possible message series in the weeks to come. Finally, figuring out who you are and how you work goes so far. And I've discovered that if I take one day a week and get up really early, for you that might be four o'clock, for you it might be six o'clock, but getting up before everything gets going, you can knock a lot of things out in just a couple of short hours. And it gives you tremendous headwind into the rest of your week. Finally, everyone is different. That's what I've learned in being quarantined at home with my family. I've learned that absence does make the heart grow fonder, and when you're together all the time, you don't have time for that absence. I've learned that being together is a lot like when you were a kid and you'd stay the night at your buddy's house, and then he'd say, oh, let's stay the night at your house, and you do that, and by the third night, you're ready to have a fist fight. Sometimes you just need a break. And I've learned that everybody's different in the way that we respond to one another. I love planners, so I got my 18-year-old one uh, to help her prep for college, and I don't believe she's even opened it. She's just not a planner. That's not her. My youngest, meticulous with her planning. We're just different. Our love languages are different. My love language is acts of service. I'll come home. No one's home yet. And I'll get the house all ready for dinner. I'll prep dinner and everything. I feel like I'm a rock star. My wife walks in and she says, are you gone again tonight? Because her love language is time. My oldest daughter comes in and she's got a story to tell. Because her love language is words. (laughs) And then my youngest daughter comes in and says, did you bring me what I asked from, from the store? Because her love language is gifts. We all not only receive love differently, we give love differently. And because of that, everyone is different. We're constantly learning from one another how to be better at being together. I don't know what leadership lessons and fatherhood and parenting lessons you've learned through COVID, but I'm pretty sure you've learned some. Take a little bit of time and write down some insights that you've figured out. Share them with me on the podcast by sending them into the blog and replying to those. Send it to me on social media. I'd love to see what it is that you're learning so we can continue to learn together. 
Hey, thanks for listening. If this was helpful, pass it along to somebody else. As always, if you rate the podcast and subscribe to it, it really helps get the word out there. And we'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Oh, I can't wait for this one. I get to interview an author, best-selling author, um, and a pastor by the name of Mark Batterson. We actually have some history together, and I can't wait for you to hear all about that. He is the best-selling author of the book, um, The Prayer Circle. Um, I'm sorry, that's not the title. It's Circle Maker. Hey, if you've made it to the end of this podcast and heard that goofah, I'd like to know about it. Uh, It's called Circle Maker. He wrote it. It's an unbelievable book on prayer. He's going to be with us next week to talk about his latest book called Winning the Day, And we're going to figure out how we do that in 2021. Thanks for listening. Share it with a friend and keep leading simple.